This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Alright, for now, turn to the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter 15. Again, the subject is the assurance of God's presence. And when we talk about God's presence, we've made it plain and we've made it clear. It's when you're with God and when God is with you. And my brothers and my sisters, that is the presence of God. When you're with him and when he's with you. And when that is the case, trust me, that's peace. If you've never experienced him being with you and you being with him, trust me, you don't know peace. Until you know that. And we gather that from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ, who himself made the outstanding statement that he was leaving us peace. And not just any peace. He was giving us his peace. And not as the world gives, because the world's peace is always based on things external. But he gives it so that we might have peace Internally, And then he goes on and say right after that, let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. I want you to understand this, brothers and sisters. I want you to understand this. He says there will be external things that won't look so comfortable, won't feel so comfortable, won't line up with your expectations. But I've got a peace that remains in spite of the things that go on on the outside. And so that is... His peace, and he let us know he got his peace because he remained with the Father. And while he remained with the Father, the Father was going to be with him. It's the same for us today. As long as we remain with God, God is going to remain with us. And never get this twisted. And this is part of the reason why we're teaching these things. You don't go and then expect God to follow. That's not how it works. You need to find out where God is going. And get in line with God. And then you got to find out when he gets there. Because you don't want to be ahead of him. <laughs> you want to be right there with him. You want to walk with him. Amen? And we came to this point, and I've been trying to make this point over and over and over again, but his presence is better. You name it. His presence is better. Give me God's presence. Over any monetary gift. Give me God's presence. I know, I know, I understand. When you're broke, <laughs> that's not necessarily what's on a person's mind when they don't know the love of God. But His presence is better than whatever you've been dreaming of. Whatever you had your heart set on. Because I want you to know that in this world, there are many dreams. You know, I love it when people get on TV after they've been successful in this world and, talk, and tell everybody you can have your dream well I want you to know this I'm going to be honest with you everybody can't have their dream you, you know what they beat out somebody else to get where they are and that somebody else they beat out had that same dream so I'm here to tell you without, we have our hearts set on some things that we will not get I'd rather have this presence than things I had my heart set upon keep your ribbon in Second Chronicles chapter 15 Turn to Hebrews chapter 11. 
Hebrews chapter 11. There's nothing like God's presence. I, I, again, I just want to emphasize that there's nothing. As soon, and remember this, we were ushered into his presence by virtue of the new birth. We've been brought nigh by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I can't testify about you, but you should have a testimony that as soon as he entered into your heart, I don't know how else to say it. You believe, but you knew. Something's different. Something's not the same. There's a weight that I didn't know I had that's been lifted off of me. And that just comes with being in his presence. And at that moment, at that time, nothing else mattered. Nothing else mattered. Where you lived, the conditions you lived in, it did not matter. Whether or not you had the job you always wanted to get, whether you got the promotion, none of that mattered. Your heart was just overjoyed that I'm right with God. I'm telling you, his presence is better. Hebrews chapter 11, this gets me. Because we mentioned Moses along the lines of examples. When, when Moses was the one who told the children of Israel, go if you want to, but if his presence is not there, I'm not going. He told God, said, God, now if you're not leading us, I'm glad you are, because if you weren't leading us, I'm not going. Because I understand some things. Here's Moses. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of of Pharaoh's daughter. See, this is, this is the problem I run into when I read Scripture. Because God speaks through Scriptures. And you know, he says, by faith Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, but he interjected something there. By faith Moses, when he came to years, when he was come to years, we got some old people who have not yet come to years. They're choosing the wrong thing. This is not about age. This is about knowing something. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, when he came to his senses, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. You need to go and check that out. How old was Moses when he made this refusal? He was not a young man. So this come to years is not about age. It's about mentality. You know what come to years means? Come to years means I've got a recognition of God that I didn't have back then. And when I didn't have that recognition of God, I did some stuff that was foolish. But now I'm recognizing it's better to be with God than to have my way. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. Do you hear that? Instead of being the son of Pharaoh's daughter, he chose to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Again, this gets me. Moses had a high place over the children who were afflicted. He'd rather lose the place that he had above them to be with them. Why? Because he knew God was with them. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. Again, this is it. Not just to be with the people of God. I'd rather suffer affliction and be with God 
than to live in the palace and be without him. It takes me too long to get these scriptures, but bear with me. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. See, that's when you come to years. Glory to your name, God. That's when you come to years. When you'd rather be without and sacrifice than to be in comfort and be away from what God wants you to be or what God wants you to do. Because in verse 26, he esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Glory to your name. Oh my goodness, this is a message for the church today. We're looking for riches, but there's something greater than riches. We think riches come with being with him, but that's not the assurance of his presence. See, because we have our hearts set on riches. And I'm here to tell you, many of you, if not all of you, will not attain into riches. But you can't have his presence. <laughs> and you may not understand it. You might have your heart set on riches and can only imagine that riches would satisfy. But it's the presence of God that far goes, that goes far beyond riches. This is Deuteronomy chapter 28. Again, I want to get this to you. You want to have God's presence. You want to be with him. Deuteronomy 28. This is, this is what God tells them in, in the Old Testament. Remember, these are types and shadows. His presence is better. This gets me about God. God, God could just say obey and leave it at that. And we can say why and he could just be quiet. <laughs> why? Because he's God. He doesn't have to do any explaining. He doesn't have to dangle a carrot for our mouths in front of us. But he's good. And in verse 1 of Deuteronomy 28, he says, And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. Here's what he's saying to them, and this is what we're learning. He's telling them, be with me, and I'll be with you. And if you be with me, so that I'm with you, then all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee. Wow, I'm, I'm sorry, when you are with God and God is with you, he makes you to lie down in green pastures. We have a hiding place <laughs> when I'm with God and when God is with me. See, that's peace. And he tries to explain this to him here. This is where, you know, many, many a, a Christian knows about this, especially in, in certain circles. But blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the fruit of your ground, the fruit of your cattle, the basket, your store. You'll be blessed coming in, blessed going out. You'll be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. You'll be the lender and not the borrower. He's saying all this comes when you walk with me. When you just stay with me. And do not get this twisted, church. Hebrews makes it plain that we have a better covenant. 
Deuteronomy 28 is the old covenant. The new covenant is better. And better does not mean, and I don't know where they get this from, and it's not written in the Bible, better does not mean in addition to. Better means it exceeds. Better means it's better. So we have something better than all that he speaks in Deuteronomy 28. And I'll have you know what that better is. That better is his enduring grace. Wow, this is what this message is about. That we might have balance in understanding grace. Because his grace enables us to obey. <laughs> Hallelujah to your name. This gets me excited whenever I come to this thought. I can obey. You know, some people say, why do you buy that big house? Because I can. Well, somebody might say, why do you follow God? Why do you obey him? Because I can. There was a time when I couldn't, but I was far away from him. But now his grace has drawn me close to him. And now I'm with him and he's with me. And it has enabled me to obey. This is a better covenant. But the point being, he is telling them, if you walk with me, if you be with me, if I am with you because you're with me, trust me. It's going to be good. Church, you have to trust. No matter what goes on externally, there will be opportunities for your heart to be troubled. There will be opportunities for your heart to be afraid. But he left us something. And it comes with the assurance of God's presence. I'm telling you, we have a friend. We have a strong friend. So that when I'm weak, I got a friend who's strong. I got a healing friend. That in the midst of my sickness, see, that's what he's telling them. See, just hang with me. <laughs> Make me your buddy. Make me your BFF. Is that, is that, is that the right term? Hmm. We fail. He doesn't. Amen. When we run empty, he never runs dry. And he's, he's that kind of friend that he, you don't necessarily have to wait to ask. He sees that you're without and you're walking with him. He's going to make sure you're taken care of. Not as the world. Understand that. Not as the world, but he will take care of you. So, his presence is better. His presence is to be preferred above everything. But, even though I haven't continually gone to this scripture, turn back to Second Chronicles chapter 15. But I keep mentioning to you, God is not going to be mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that's what that man is going to reap. <laughs> And so this brings us to Second Chronicles chapter 15. Verse number one. And the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oded. And he went out to meet Asa. And said unto Asa, Hear ye me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you, while ye be with him. 
And if you seek him, he will be found of you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. That's what God is saying there. That's his message to Asa, to all Judah, to all Benjamin, to all the church of living water, to the body of Christ. I am with you. But don't get it twisted. If you leave me, don't take for granted that I'm going to be with you. It does not work that way. See, this is why we, we must know the God that we serve. Don't think that God owes you his presence. That's our attitude sometimes. God owes us this. So no matter what I do, no matter where I go, no matter how I act, God's got my back. After all, I confessed. After all, I professed. But God just speaks. I, I, I just see God is playing. I'm sorry. This, this is not. This is not in a riddle. This is not some mystery. He makes it. He can't get more plain than this. I'm with you while you're with me. It's, so he's saying now. Now, if I turn left and you turn right, you just left me, and I'm not with you. So when you turn around and you're without strength, and there's no help. When you turn around and you're empty, and there's no one to fill you up, it's because you left me somewhere, and I'm on my program. And my program is bigger, bigger than my relationship with you. Hallelujah. But don't think that God owes you his presence. Don't think, you, don't think that God owes you his goodness. Hmm. And all this, again, this is for balance when it comes to grace. Now, faith brings us to his grace. And thank God for his grace. Because again, his grace has brought us close to him. That's what His grace initially does. By faith, we've been brought to His grace, which again allows us to be fruitful in holiness and fruitful in righteousness. That's what the grace is for. But once you have received grace, you must respond to grace and keep responding. So God is gracious. He first loves us. But then we have our own responsibility. We do have a responsibility. We looked at... Well, this is good. Yes, yes, God. Yes. This is right. You see, just because God gives you an assignment, just because God wakes you up in the middle of the night, and tells you I have this work for you to do. Oh, thank you, God. This is, this is why you told me that. Does not mean that no matter how you act and behave from that point forward, God is obligated. You might have a call on your life. You might have a legitimate call on your life. And you live as though God is obligated to cooperate with that call that he made you aware of. And you are finding out now that you may have taken a right turn when God went left. You may have stopped when God kept going. And he's saying, I was with you while you were with me. Now, here's the thing. This is what I forgot about this from last week. I was about to forget about it this week. But when God says, I am with you, that is one of the most reassuring, most strengthening 
messages an individual could ever have. It's just... And again, that's, that's what comes on. Even though God didn't necessarily say it where you could audibly hear it, but when you become born again, that's what happens. That's the change. And to know, to have that assurance that, that you're with God and God is with you, that is better than everything. And I want to see, that's all I need to hear, God. That you're with me and I'm all right. But I find, and you have to search it out for yourself, but I find when God mentions this, he never mentions it to people who are supposed to be idle. He never gives anybody the reassurance that I'm with you with the expectation of you're not going to do anything. He says this to people who are busy or should be busy about his work. This is why I believe this is for Church of Living Water. Because he says this to people who should be building walls. He says this to people who should be building temples. He says this to people who are supposed to stand in the midst of persecution. And so that's why I say to you, God may have spoken to you a special, a special mission, a special ministry. He may have given you a special work. This is a message specifically for that purpose. Because he sets you on a path. And you're supposed to stay with him on that path. And we have so many, my goodness, I got some place to be. But let's be where the Spirit wants us to be. We have so many ministers nowadays who God may have had a legitimate call on, but they start to see dollar signs. They start to see movie deals. They start to see book deals. And they've departed from God. But remember, we use the example of the prodigal son who was feeling good for a little while. But that feeling good was a false sense of security. He mistaked feeling good for being good, and his feelings were based on the things that he had. This is a capitalistic society. You can get some money. So to that end, everybody feels good at some point in time or another in this society. But that does not mean that God is with you, because remember, Jesus says, I give you my peace. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. You know when your heart is troubled, you know when your heart is afraid? When the money's not coming in. When you're not so popular, when everyone isn't seeking your praises, when everyone isn't clapping for what you did, when you're not being noticed, you can still have that peace. I, I, I just, you know, all these examples come to me, but when you think of Joseph, how could he perform when he was done so wrong? Because he had the assurance. Of God's presence. And how was he assured of God's presence? This is what we were talking about. How do we get assured of God's presence? By the response that includes obedience. So in his trouble, you know what he did? He obeyed. <laughs> get this, church. This is, this is how do we assure ourselves of God's presence? Remember, first we have to be born again. First, we have had to have turned our hearts over to the Lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I, I don't know how many different ways to say this. We have people who have made professions of faith, but they have not turned the keys of their car over to the Lord Jesus Christ. And they still run their own lives. They still do their own things. Well, then you miss the first qualifier. But if you have truly in your heart turned your life over to the Lord Jesus Christ and said, God, you take over. Well, now comes the second part. 
Now you must respond. And what is that response? It is repentant. It is a faithful. It is an obedient life in which you remain. And get this. Get this together, people. When I say remain, you can't visit. You can't be in and out. You can't be up sometimes and down sometimes. You've got to get over that. You've got, oh, we're, we're here again on Sunday mornings. You, you must listen attentively, submit fully, conform completely until you become what you've been instructed to do. And so this must be habitual. This must be who you become. This must be who you are. And you know, the first word I gave you was repentant. And you know why I gave you that word? Because you're not God. Because you live in flesh. And because in our best days, sometimes we still fall short. But when you walk with him, you hear him tell you, if you confess your sins, I'm faithful. I'm just to forgive you and cleanse you. Oh, my goodness, people, when you fall, jump, walk (laughs) into sin, don't stay there. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He's there for that reason, because God wants to be with you. And don't get into sin and stay with sin, not understanding he's there to bring you out. So that's why repentance is first there. Because we won't always get it right. And don't condemn yourself because you haven't gotten it right. Now, when you keep not getting it right with the same thing, after you come to the altar time and time and time again, now we've got to do some soul searching. But here is something, and you've, your heart is broken. That is testifying to you that I don't need to be here. I need to get back with the Father. How do we assure ourselves that God is with us? We must have a repentant, faithful, obedient, habitual life. That must be our lifestyle. So we assure ourselves of God's presence when we obey. I'm sorry, I know, I know. You're going to have to get out the big dictionaries and you're going to get out some some uh, uh, thesauruses and try to find... It doesn't get much simpler than that. Just obey. But, but, but catch this. This is why I gave you these things, right? Because it's just simple submission to God. But what do we obey? Oh, now, 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 here's where we start to go in different places. See, because some people will say, well, I hear God this way. And another person will say, I hear God that way. When I want to tell you God has ordained a method for you to hear what he said. Because he's spoken. He's spoken. He's spoken and he's done speaking. And he's spoken in Christ Jesus. But Christ is not with us any longer. Yeah, but he left us. He left us in good shape. Because when he ascended upon high, you know he led captivity captive? And then he gave gifts to men. I just love that passage. You know why I love that passage? Because I just see daddy coming home with the jewelry, with the championship belt. <laughs> he has a bunch of gifts with him and says, because you're with me, guess what? I got some gifts for you. So when he ascended upon high, he led captivity captive. He gave gifts unto men. 
He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. And I'm here today to tell you this is the dispensation of the pastor. And so if you want to hear what God has said, it's going to come through Christ and it's going to come through your local church's pastor. And so this, this is why I say, now this is what separates us because some people will say that I don't need a church and I don't need a pastor, but you are contrary to the word of God and God is not with you. How dare you say that? Again, I, I love Second Chronicles 15. Because we got a lot of believers who would say, you can't say something like that. Well, I go back to the scripture. He's with you as long as you're with him. And how can you be with him if you're not obeying him? This is why you have to have a Bible with you. <laughs> this is why I'm still reviewing because we went over these scriptures. These things have been made plain and evident before us. So that no one has to say, uh, that man said, the word says. God being with us is not based on anything but our submission to him, which means we must obey the things that we've been taught. Which means we have to be taught. <laughs> oh, and, and get this. Wow. The subject is assurance and not expectations. Th those are not the same things, people. Because some of us have an expectation that no matter what, God is on our side. You better be on his side. And then we get disappointed when God doesn't meet our expectations. Oh, didn't we, aren't we hearing that on Sundays as well? That's when we have a rupture in our relationship with God because we expected God that when I was out there on a limb, you would have taken care of me. But God says, I didn't tell you to go on that limb. I wasn't there. You were on your own. That's what happened. Those are your expectations. You should have searched for assurance. Rather than just living with an expectation that came out of your own mind. You know, here's one of the things that we expect. Maybe it's for you, maybe it's not. It's for you. We expect that when we have a disagreement with our church member, God is on our side. Amen. And when I say disagreement, you know what I mean by disagreement. You're holding in your heart what you don't hold toward other people. And you expect that God understands how bad they acted compared to everybody else. So he's on your side when you don't treat them with the love that you're supposed to treat everybody with. But you just left God. See, this is where we get things like God don't like ugly from. Because we think God is on our side in the disagreement, whatever the disagreement is. When instead his word says reconcile. Instead, his word says, if they come to you and repent 70 times 7 in a day, forgive them. See, and then we have unmet expectations when suddenly it seems like they're going on and they're being strong and we're the ones disturbed. See, we had an expectation, but we didn't have his assurance. Amen. So we, we said we have to walk in what we've been taught. And when you walk in the truth that you've been taught in your local church, you make provision in your life for God. 
And we said provision means we're going to give God space. We're going to make room for God to work in our life. Hmm. Did I I show you Psalm 78? If I didn't, I should show you that. Psalm 78. Again, y'all just have to be patient with a brother because sometimes it's... It's one of those scriptures that, that I just can't forget. See, because remember, when we make provision for God, God doesn't need anything from you. What you need is from Him. And what you're making provision is for God to make a difference in your life. Because what happens is we deny ourselves the benefits of His presence by not giving God room to work in our life. Psalm 78, verse 40 and 41, and 42. How oft did they provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert? Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Wow, you got to understand this. Here they are. At the very precipice of the promised land. And God was willing, desirous to give to that generation the promise, a piece of the promise that he had made to Abraham. But they provoked him and limited God from being that much better in their eyes, in their life. They didn't make provision for God. What was it that they missed? God said, go in. Take the land. It's yours. They said, we are not able. They disobeyed. They lost the assurance of his presence. And this is why I say, these are the things that we've gone over before, but this is why I say you don't want to get ahead of God either. Because after, you know, we, we went over this earlier, <laughs> before in the midst of this teaching. But when God had said, okay, you aren't going over, uh, your carcasses are going to fall in the wilderness, and stay where you are until I tell you some more instructions. They said, you know what? We feel so bad. We miss God. So let's go over now. And there's Moses. Moses said, you know, uh, 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 I've come to the fullness of years. <laughs> I know God is not with you. So y'all go ahead and go if you're just determined to go. I'm going to stay right here in camp because you will not prevail. Oh, but now we're going to obey. No, no, no. You had a dispensation to obey. And when that chapter closed, and now I want to get it right, and you think God is wrong. See, I had an unmet expectation from God that even though I'm late, he's going to be on time for me. God is not mine. So they went there and they got their butts whipped. And they came back. And I believe they had a better understanding of the God they serve. I believe they probably could have said, you know, he's with us as long as we're with him. (laughs) But they limited the Holy One of Israel. They remembered not his hand. It was the day when he delivered them from from the enemy. Do you hear that? They forgot the goodness of God. They doubted that God could be bigger than their giants. 
Church, that's a message to us. So God wants to work on our behalf, but we have to make provision for God. Turn to the book of James chapter 4. James chapter 4. Now we read last time in Romans chapter 13 that we don't have time to waste. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. And he says we don't have time for things that aren't that we shouldn't be involved with. And one of the things he mentions is, you know, uh, chambering, getting caught up with our wantonness and all that kind of rioting. Don't get caught up with that stuff. And he says, do not make provision for the flesh. And so as we talk about making provision for God, we have to understand we have a habit of providing for the flesh. And we went over the examples last time of what it means to provide for the flesh. In other words, what we want, we have, we have desires that are, uh, I want to say this right, because they don't make the top list of sins. They don't make the top 50. But God's not in them. And we have these desires. And these desires, as simple as some of them seem, as innocent as some of them seem, God is not involved whatsoever. And they take us farther away from God. And what we do is we organize our lives so when the opportunity comes for us to have that, what we desire, this is, this is the example we use, right? Being pregnant with that desire. And no, we, have, we haven't delivered it. We haven't been able to, to have that delivered yet. We have, don't have the opportunity yet, but we've organized our lives just right. So when that opportunity comes, I can jump on what I've desired in my heart that God didn't necessarily put there as my desire. You, you know, this is a funny thing, because, again, pregnancy, God gave us a good example there. Uh, because we got children who haven't even graduated school yet, applying for schools that are as far away from their parents as possible. <laughs> See, you, you know, you've got to get the diploma first. But you're making plans, you're making provision, you're order, ordering your life. So then when the opportunity comes, I guarantee you, God is not telling you to get away from your parents, not in this ministry. But that's not saying, see, it doesn't make the top 50. Or the top 40. I don't even know what they follow today. It used to be the top 40 in my days, or whatever. It's not the top of the charts. So it's not a New York bestseller sin. But it is against the will of God. And though it's not on the list of sins, for you it is a sin. Huh. What did I tell you to turn to? James chapter 2? James 4. James chapter 4. I'm in chapter 2. James chapter 4. See, in all honesty, what we should be doing is we should be burning the bridges to our love. <laughs> you, you know what I mean by that? Not giving opportunity for the flesh. To get what it wants. Hmm. Hmm. But you know, we want a way of escape sometimes. You know, it makes you think of, and I don't know if ladies still do this, but you know, uh, once upon a time, ladies would get married and they would have some uh, advice given to them. Make sure you have a bank account they don't know about. Why? Because when he starts to act crazy, give yourself an exit route. See, some people are waiting for an excuse to make an exit on God. 
and you set your life up just for that exit. But let me tell you, don't wait to leave. Go ahead and leave because you already left. God said through Isaiah, yeah, they honor me with their lips, but they've removed their heart far from me. So why waste your time like that? Because God already knows you left them. And when God gives you things like this, what is he telling you? He's telling you, I'm with you. If you be with me. If you seek God, God will be found of you. He's telling you to seek him. And get your mind off of these other things because his presence is better. Because you will get the lust that you so desire and then find out good for nothing. Disappointing. Won't come through. Look at this in James chapter 4. Verse 13. Go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. Uh, uh, let me slow down with that. Go to now ye that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Do you see this? We got plans. And our plans are for us to prosper. So let's move on our plans for us to prosper. Whereas you don't know what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? Oh, do you hear him say the same thing? You don't have time to waste. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. If you recognize how little time you have, here's what you would do. Verse 15, for that you ought to say, if the Lord will. Oh, do you see what's missing in verse 13? Where's the Lord? See, I'm organizing my life to fulfill my desires, but I have not sought God. I have not waited on his voice. In fact, I haven't even asked him. You know, I'm going to borrow something I heard uh, our sister Castile say, and I just loved it. Stop plotting and start praying. See, see verse 13 is the plotting. See, I got my plans together. I'm going to organize my life because I believe this is what is going to fulfill me. These are Christians who do these things. But instead, verse 15, we should say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But you know why we don't ask? Because we don't want him to say no. And then carry with us the foolish expectations that no matter where we go, that he's got our back. He's got us taken care of. You better know your God. Verse 16, but now ye rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Did he say that? Did he say all such rejoicing is evil? When we do our things and we don't wait on God? He says that's evil? Oh my goodness. Don't you know there's some evil that takes place? Before the preacher, when he has a couple wanting to get married? <laughs> you don't follow me on that one. We set dates, but we haven't asked God. We set dates, or we didn't wait on counsel. We set dates, or we're doing it against the counsel 
of our godly authority. But we're going to do it anyway. Who cares what the Lord wills? James says that's evil. What should I do? Stop the evil? <laughs> Simple as that, just stop the evil. It's not said to condemn you. It's said to free you that you might free yourself from the condemnation. We got professionals who take on jobs that take them away from the place God has placed them. And then here, here's the kicker. Because they definitely didn't ask God. Here's the kicker. They ask the church God had placed them for another good church where they're leaving too. That's evil. <laughs> Amen. Glory to your name. Oh, oh we, don't, we don't leave the city. We just take on jobs that take us away from our responsibilities at church. And that responsibility starts with hearing the word. And you're telling me you heard from God to do that. Amen. If you didn't hear from God, that's evil. I'll say it that way. That's, that's much nicer. Here's the point. Make provision for God. And here's the thing. Some people without knowledge of God think that they can just do just enough to make sure that if they need something, God's got them covered. See, I came to church enough. I'm a member of Church of Living Water. Oh, don't get me started on this. Again, this is not for everybody. This is for whoever it is for. But, you know, some people just make enough appearances just to make sure that people know that I'm a member. <laughs> and they bank on our love and our kindness. Oh, they're not going to, but I come in just enough. And I want to see whether we're kind or not. What's that going to do with you walking with God? See, see, now you're starting to play a game with God. And the church is nice. Uh, but when you get alone and you've got to see God for yourself, it gets real then. See, I, I barely showed up for church, but now I have a need. And I'm not so confident. I don't have that assurance. So even though you barely see me, I need your prayers now. I need your assistance now. See, we're playing games with God. And you think you can just do just barely enough. But remember, we must remain in that life. It can't be a hit or miss life. See, you need to be a member of the church. You need to have your pastor. You need to pay attention to your pastor. You need to follow the teachings of your pastor. You need to be a regular there. Now, and again, I understand some people may have illnesses or whatever. You know I'm not talking about that. You healthy thing, you. Nothing's wrong with you whatsoever. And that's what's so sad about it. You don't have time to waste, and you're wasting time right now. The good days of your life. When you can be of use to God. And when God can do some wonderful things in your life. And you're living a horrible life. You're living a life at the bottom when God wanted to take you to the top, but you limited God. Now, I was thinking about this. You know, some people, some people don't just do in and out. Some people do in and out and every now and then just come just, just enough, you know. We got the crowd that I would say, 
people make just enough appearances. This is my thought. But the officers there looking at everything and say, you know what? I think we got a member number we can give out because they don't come. And then as soon as they're about to give it out, here you come again. Oh. <laughs> we got those type of members. But we got other members who are here on a regular basis. But we don't know if they're alive or not. Yeah, I was thinking about this because uh, some, something in conversation came up to where I was made uh, mindful of, you know, people have been found in their cars dead before. And they've been there a while. You know why they've been there a while? Because people walk by them and they think they're just, hey, you know, they're just taking a sleep or whatever in their cars. we got people in the church like that. They're there. We see them. But there's no movement. There's no action. There's no participation. And some people do just enough to let them know that, oh, I'm still alive. You're playing with God. Yeah, you sing the songs. Yeah, you're there when the church is open, but your heart is not toward them. I'm sorry, but there's nothing you can do? Bolting out before we can even say hello to an individual. Coming late. And then when somebody asks, well, I was there. Yeah, but in all honesty, some people without any knowledge think that that's going to cover them when it comes to God. And I'm here to tell you it won't. See, God tries the heart, not the attendance. Who shall ascend? Who shall Who shall come into his holy place? Those who are at church all the time. (laughs) No, him with clean hands and a pure heart. God's not taking attendance. And again, you might look good in front of us, but what good does that do? His presence is better than you looking good in front of us. Look at this in Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. Verse 13. And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother, that he divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus went straight, straight up street. He said unto him, man, <laughs> who made me a judge or a divider over you? You know, that's something else. You just don't see Jesus speaking like that all over the place. But this got to him. <laughs> he said, man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? Wow, see, that's our expectation of God. Got to make it right financially. They're getting too much. And Jesus is like, that's not what I'm here for. That's not what this is about. Verse 15, he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man 
brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I get a kick out of some of these records in the Bible. I really do. Because I can just see this man. He's a rich man. And he thought, you know, his ground was bringing a lot. And he thought within himself, Man, what am I going to do? I have so much stuff. What am I going to do? And then you see the light bulb go, Aha, I know what to do. He said, this will I do. I'll pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. That just, that just seems so silly to me. Maybe because I don't have this issue. <laughs> Maybe that's the issue. But, but here he is. Man, I got, man, I got so much stuff. What am I going to do with all this stuff I got? Make more room for me and my stuff. Verse 19. He's not through. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. And again, this gets me because I believe this is a lot of believers' desire. In fact, I believe some make that confession. My God is more than enough. So I should have more than enough in the bank. I should have multiple bank accounts. Well, listen, listen to God's assessment. Verse 20. But God said unto him, fool. That's that Aunt Esther fool. Fool. This night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? What did he say to him? You just wasted your life. And you wasted it on yourself. Why did he waste it on himself? Because there were no thoughts of God in his planning. Psalms chapter 10. Turn there real quick. Psalms chapter 10. Y'all going to hate me if I say this. I don't even think I'll get to Haggai tonight. I spent all that time finding that scripture. Keep your rhythm there. <laughs> this is just an example of providing for the flesh. You know what happens for those goods to come in plentifully? He worked. Oh, don't get it twisted. He worked. He put in some effort. He must have organized his life in such a way to make sure that it brought forth plentifully. But in his organization of his life, God wasn't in his thoughts. This is why I say, you know, we take on jobs and it interferes with us ministering to our family. Interferes with us being ministered to. When we made those plans, but was God in our thoughts when we made those plans? See, if he wasn't, we were providing for the flesh. We were not making provision for God. And trust me, when you don't provide for God, what you have will spoil. Just a matter of time. Psalm chapter 10, verse number 4. The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. I like to say it this way. God is not in his thoughts at all. 
So when we make plans and we, when we organize our lives to get what we want, but God is not in our thoughts, he says that's the stuff of the wicked. Oh, 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 but don't get me wrong. See, because until we hear this message, we do what we want to do. Don't put God in our thoughts and in our plans. Organize our lives. Follow up on those plans and have an expectation of God that he's going to bless those plans. And when they don't get blessed, we say, what happened? That preacher was wrong. No, you didn't even listen to the preacher. And this is why I've I got to get this to you people. You, you, you must lift up this ministry in your prayers continually because we have stayed with sound teaching and I'm not going to lie to you there are false teachers there are false prophets among us in this day not necessarily this church but in the body of Christ around there are false prophets there are false teachers you better stay in the place where the truth is being ministered to and when you're in that place you are hearing the voice of God is being made plain to you is being chopped up to you so that you can obey and you can have the assurance of his presence when you walk in what you've been taught And we're teaching you right now, don't you make plans and not have God consideration as a consideration in those plans. So here's the question. How do I make provision for God in my life? Here, here we go. Get out your dictionaries. This is deep. Put God first. I'm, I'm going to give you a chance to write it down. <laughs> How do we make provision? We put God first. First, you know, you fill out your papers. Those of you who have uh, good jobs, <laughs> you know, the kind they don't just pay you in cash. <laughs> I'm tickling myself. Let me let me stop that. But, you know, you get a real job where they actually have benefits, and they want you to put down a primary. God has to be primary, and, and let me tell you, there's got to be nobody else. There's got to be no secondary. He's got to be primary. He's got to be first. And let me give you this. And, and you know, this is the part where I would have gone to Haggai. But you're, you're okay. And we'll, we'll get a chance to get there next time. Uh, this. God has to be in our thoughts. For him to be first, he has to be in our thoughts. Okay. So when we make provision for God, that is called putting God first. This is when God is in our thoughts. This is when thoughts of God consume, dominate, and control our thinking. Don't get it twisted now. This is when thoughts of God Consume, dominate, and control our thinking. I'm not saying that every time somebody says something to you, you answer with a scripture. I'm not saying that uh, whenever anyone wants to talk to you, you know, you got to put anointed oil on them and pray for them before they can talk. I'm not saying stuff like that. I'm not saying that you can't enjoy things in nature. I'm, I'm telling you right, right now, I've been turned back on to, to Clone Wars and to Young Justice. And I love it just as much as anything else. 
So I'm not saying that our mind is just on spiritual things 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, you know, uh, 60 seconds of every minute. And that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying when it comes to critical thinking, when it comes to critical decisions, when I have to organize my life, I am going to make decisions on how I order my life. God is going to be the foremost consideration. I won't organize my life and in so doing, disappoint God. I won't do that. See, we're talking about making provision for God now. See, we understand what it is to make provision for the flesh, but how do I make provision for God? He is my foremost consideration. When it's time for my decisions. You know, when I heard that on the, on the teaching, especially to the singles, when we were talking about dating, he has to be my foremost consideration when I talk about dating, when I consider dating. When I consider going on from dating to courting, he's got to be my foremost consideration. Is this individual taking me away from the things of God? I'd rather have God's presence than this individual. And I'm out of time. And God is faithful. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.